Hey everyone, and welcome back to my Blockadian universe. Uh, so, this week I'm once again chatting with Solrak, and we're continuing our conversation on uh, police brutality. Um, there's so much going on in the world right now, and um, I'm hoping that it is the first step in a long journey to end um, racism for good. Uh, I think this pandemic has awoken um, something in people. I think people are looking inward a lot right now, and I think it's given people time to pause just in the daily grind of things and, you know, take a look at what else is going on in the world. And that's why um, this movement against racism is so powerful. I think it's, you know, time for change, real change, and I, I think it's coming. And um, yeah, I, I also wanted to highlight that I am taking a bit of a break. Uh, this will be my last uh, podcast for a little while. I'm just taking a mental health break. Uh, the last couple of weeks have just been a lot to process and, you know, I'm feeling the burnout. So I'm just gonna take this time to take a quick break and come back refreshed. And uh, definitely, I have lots to say, want to keep saying it. Um, but uh, to do that, I need to take care of myself. So please absolutely enjoy um, this talk with myself and Solrak. Um, enjoy and I will definitely be back soon. Welcoming welcoming you all back to uh, my Blackadian universe. Take care for now. Yeah. So I know last time we were chatting a little bit about uh, the brute caricature. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone can listen to our previous episode just to get a little bit more on that. But I think it's important just uh, for everyone to know just how long um, this has been going on, um, this portrayal of, uh, you know, uh, black men as being sort of savage and, you know, criminal. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and then we talked just a little bit more about uh, some of the, uh, those that um, have lost their lives and those that we, um, we know their names and it's important that we, you know, don't forget them and what happened to them as well. Mm -hmm. And also something that I think I hope is thinking in a lot. Um, I know I've been thinking about this last week is uh, those whose names we don't know, um, you know, that, you know, those stories that, you know, don't know, and perhaps, you know, um, they lost their lives under very similar circumstances. So I think it's, you know, one of those things that I always like to remember as well. Oh yeah, They're definitely. Um, we definitely have lives that were not recorded on video mm -hmm. um, that have passed. Um, there's a, a, a website that I follow. It's called Cop Crisis, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the statistics that they use, they said that every, I think the statistic says every seven hours in America lose their life at the hands of a police officer. Mm. Um, so, and they track like how many lives were taken as a result of police brutality or some type of interaction with police. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been following it quite a while and they just give you like a yearly analyst of all of the different things that happen basically based on police brutality. And they don't specifically name how many people that have died, but they do point out, in fact, I just went there just real quick, and it says so far in 2020, 425 people have died that were killed by American cops. Wow. Um, and the year prior to that was 1,000, what, 1,310 people were killed in 2019. And just to reiterate what I said earlier, every seven hours a cop kills an American citizen. And this is not just America. Now, when we talk about police brutality, it it exists on global scales. I know you can speak from Canada and people I know live in France. They all can confirm that this is an ongoing saga. That's why the George Floyd incident or, um, you know, murder on TV, as we would say, um, it touches people worldwide because we... As Americans, sometimes we think that it's exclusive to us, but it's inclusive because there are people outside of our borders that are impacted by the brutality as well as we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think uh, it's something that's resonating with a lot of people because it's something that, like you said, we're not just seeing in America. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that, you know, uh, racism seems to be uh, not just an American problem, it's in Canada as well. Um, people don't like to think it is. <laughs> I it know. Is. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's a problem all over the world. So I think, yeah, it's with the police brutality, it's, um, it's so interesting because um, having friends that are not you know, people of color are white and, you know, you're taught a very, you know, seeing it through their eyes, you know, having Mm -hmm. these conversations with them, they're taught a very different thing about police, Um, you know, that there's always, uh, they're sort of a safe haven, someone that you can trust, and there's never any, um, but, like, you know, Mm -hmm. but, maybe, you know, and it's a very different conversation that I think, um black people have to have with their children so um i think in light of you know what's happening right now i think a lot of people are uh especially white people i know are really having that sink in Mm -hmm. that um, that you know our community doesn't necessarily see um police the same way that they do exactly that's one of the things that I think that creates the disparity as far as how we view these circumstances. Um, when you grow up in a society where you're taught that the police are your friends and they and you benefit from police, and I don't get me wrong, we need the police. There's nothing. Police are needful. Law enforcement is needful. But is there approach and methodology towards the culture? Is is there's no culture sensitivity? Um, and so when you grew up in an environment where you don't see pr- police brutality as much as we're seeing it now, you grew up in it, you, you've seen the opposite of what a black person may see in America or abroad. And so our mm-hmm. perspectives are different. So whenever, and then when you have been taught that 
cops are good, you know, just to use a, uh, a term. Um, and you taught that people who cops interact with cause what happened to them to happen. Um, then you take that perspective whenever you see a crime happen. There are people I've been around that are white and usually they would assume soon as somebody having interacted with the police, they caused it to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily require for things to happen for us black people because you get pulled over because you're black. Uh, people were getting stopped and frisked because they were black in the 90s. Uh, that was an ongoing saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have to, I think people that are white need to try to have a little more sensitivity or at least have some level of empathy where they can try to see things outside of that bubble they've been in. Um, and with that being, and with that bubble being burst, then we can have a unified conversation because you come in with the mindset that, Hey, you know, they cause this to happen. Or you come in with the mindset that they are criminals and that's why the police are being the way that they are. Then it's hard for you to even kind of even have any sympathy or even try to understand. You got to have a starting point in order for the conversation to begin. Exactly. Exactly. I think um, it's it's really important. Um, the people that didn't understand um, what where that history is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like with Amy Cooper <laughs> uh, recently as well in the news, how she sort of used you know that assumption. She assumed you know that the police would show up and see um, you know a villain mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. A white woman. She- that she would be, you know, seen as innocent in there. Um, so I think that's something, you know, she's well aware of, you know, police brutality mm-hmm. against black. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, uh, you know, and then there's the other side of that where, you know, uh, basically just from ignorance, you know, mm-hmm. white people weren't aware that this was happening. And yeah. um, it's that, uh, <laughs> you know, um, my friends and I have been talking about, mm-hmm. uh, we really kind of, it's unfortunate that everything has to be proven, you know, with video evidence. Um, but it's, it's, it seems to be enlightening a lot of people before mm-hmm. and changing their minds about exactly what's going on and the struggle that, you know, we're fighting every single day. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, it, it's, it's an important kind of uh, change that's happening. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think one of the things we definitely have to do is have those conversations. That's the beginning point. Um, I think that, you know, we, we have to look at the historical, um, historical perspective of what we're dealing with because, you know, pr- police brutality is, you know, been going on for centuries. It just now is being videotaped. Um, and even with the videotape happening, people still are, mm-hmm. are challenged to believe <laughs> that something was wrong. So, mm-hmm. you know, that just shows how deceived people are, because in America, we have a news channel called Fox News, and they always try to speak, you know, good of Trump. They always try to make everything, you know, basically they're brainwashing people to believe a perspective that is untrue. Um, because one of the founders of Fox News and one of the most influential people, he's no longer alive, but he's, one of his statements was, if you say a lie over and over again, people will believe it. And that's basically mm-hmm. their philosophy. Um, and so when you have that going on to counteract the truth and you have people who've been brainwashed for years because there are people who don't believe nothing Trump does is wrong. I mean, they just believe that the man is a saint, basically. 
uh, a messiah in the sense. And so you have a news station that primarily focuses on advocating for this person, even when they're wrong, the challenge, mm-hmm. the conversation or the truth has a hard time getting through. And that's why social media is important because you, it gives you a chance to level the playing field. Whereas mm-hmm. if you just look at news, it depends on what they watch based will depend on what information they receive. So social media is very important, of course, during the protests and things of that nature. But one thing I do want to add too, one of the ways that we can use our power um, is voting. Uh, and then the other is we can use our economics and not support some of these businesses that support um, programs that are counterproductive to the, to the black community. We need to go ahead and stop funding these companies that support politicians that make laws or in, enforce laws that, that prevent police from being accountable, that prevent, mm-hmm. you know, um, black people from having opportunities, um, whether it be economic or whatever means that we strive to create empowerment, we need to stop funding these businesses because the, bus- the, the, the politicians that are lawmakers in America, you know, due to lobbyists and due to money being a big part of politics, mm-hmm. it influences mm-hmm. them more than anything. Now, they will say whatever they need to say to get our vote, but the ones that make the decisions are the ones that influence their pockets. So we have to stop funding these companies or corporations. Absolutely. Money is uh, a huge motivator. Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite movies okay. <laughs> is like uh, Trading Places oh, yes. and <laughs> Eddie Murphy. And it's a classic, classic movie. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the lines that it's very true. It's just, you know, like rich people just don't like being poor. I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, one of the things. And I think it's very true, mm-hmm. like not these businesses you know um the black community we have money and we can spend that money to support other uh black businesses i think and businesses that don't support um our community as well i think that's very very important and voting Mm -hmm. yes please everyone vote i think that a lot of people think that voting doesn't make a difference um or change but it it can Mm -hmm. and it will this election coming up in America, you know, I'm not American, I'm Canadian, but I'm watching it with bated breath. Because, yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's interesting to see how everything's gonna be unfolding. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a one point. Yeah, that, that's why when we look at the Jewish floors, the, the Breonna Taylors and the Ahmaud Aubrey's and, you know, so many different people who lives have been taken either at the hands of, you know, domestic terrorists, which I would call some of these people who are white supremacists, um, as well as um, police officers, to say, I don't want to vote because things will never change. You're right. If you don't vote, things won't change. That's why we have to vote. That's how important it is. I mean, you got to think about it. so many people died just for the opportunity to vote. I mean, there were times back in history, history and since this is, the podcast, I have to bring a historical element to it. But, um, you know, people used to have to take, you know, almost like a take tests and so many different things just to even register to vote. And now we mm-hmm. have that opportunity. We need to capitalize off of it because, you know, the black vote is important. We have to understand our power and stop denying it because we don't agree with everything. If you don't like what's been happening for the last four years or close to four years, then you have a reason to vote. If you don't like police brutality, you need to vote. If you have issues with things that are happening, you need to vote because you have to make your voice be heard. 
if if a hundred people say I'm not gonna vote, that's a hundred votes that could have went towards could have changed direction. Some some elections are won basically under a hundred votes, and if those hundred people say, "Well, I'm not gonna vote," then guess what? You're not changing the you're not changing the atmosphere. You have to get involved to make a difference. Exactly, and uh, Trump knows the power of the vote. He's been working really, really hard mm-hmm. to make sure people don't have a voice. Um, everything uh, that he's been doing for the last little while, just, you know, having he's, you know, so afraid of vo- voter fraud. And what he's doing is he's targeting sure. uh, communities that he knows, you know, like with identification, mm-hmm. uh, targeting poor economic people that are most definitely you know, statistically, probably not going to vote for him. Of course. And even mail-in ballots right now, it's all a system of trying to stop votes because he understands that that's, you know, a very powerful thing. And it's, you know, ultimately going to hopefully result in him being, you know, voted out of. So I think that's something people need to understand as well. Yeah, of course, because they wouldn't, try to prevent you from voting if it didn't matter <laughs> because if it didn't yeah. matter they'll make it easy for you to vote but they're trying to suppress the vote especially in georgia i think that's what prevented stacy abrams from becoming the next governor because mm-hmm. you know the ones who are actually doing the suppressing are the ones who are trying to save voter fraud it's like a, it's a it's hypocrisy at best but it's like they're trying to say well there's voter fraud but they're the ones trying to prevent people from voting they're trying to change their hours they're they're trying to make it make it um, less polling places for you to go and place your vote. So all of these things are strategically, excuse me, strategically placed in order to prevent mm-hmm. voting. And then they're also doing redistricting. What's happening is that, mm-hmm. you know, we have two systems of, um, you know, lawmakers. You have Congress and then you have what I mean, you have um, the House and then you also have the Senate and then you have the executive branch, which is the president. So they have what is called the House and the House. Basically, they're they're like pockets of, um, um, I guess you say lawmakers in different cities or counties and they read what they call redistricting. So basically what they're trying to do, they're trying to draw the lines where they can get people to be in favor of their policies. And that way they can keep getting voted in each year or reelected, not every year, but every six years, if you're in the house or then I believe every six years for the house of Senate. And so they're redistricting. So that way they can continue to be voted in. And so all of these things are happening um, under the background and they're trying to mm-hmm. do everything they can to prevent us from voting because they know that they don't have a winning message. And when you don't have a winning message, the best way to win and to prevent the people from voting who won't support your, your policies or your causes. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's the tragedy of it all. But we have to remember mm-hmm. whenever we look at the brute, the brute uh, caricature, the purpose of that 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 character or that image was to degrade and demean and demoralize the uh, black people and to make us appear as criminals. Because when you have planted in people's minds that the people that are being oppressed are being abused or brutalized by police or criminals, then you come to the point of believing they deserve what happened to them. And you have to reevaluate the way you think and, and reevaluate the way you process things whenever it relates to police brutality and i'm speaking to white people in this particular um moment because if you come to that point and say well they caused it to happen or this is what this is the reason why it happened then you're not even at the point where you can even understand the truth that's being 
displayed and understanding the purpose behind the Black Lives Matter movement. Because the, the counter argument, and you said it last week, was that when, when we say Black Lives Matter, they're quick to say all lives matter, or even to the point of saying white lives matter. And I know you spoke to that. I want you to speak to that again, because I think it's significant when we're talking about the mindset or the mentality that's being that's out there uh, that we're that we're forced to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's something uh, uh, no one is saying that, you know, all matter. We're, you know, speaking up for black lives because, you know, black people are getting killed, unjustly killed and overly brutalized by police. And, you know, their killers are walking free. And I think um, it's exactly as you said, you know, people think that they're somehow deserving of this brutality and somehow, you know, they were being in some sort of way that the police, you know, needed to, you know, use unjust force or, you know, kill them. And I say, you know, kill, because they are killing uh, these yes. people. And I think that um, it makes people uncomfortable to think otherwise. I think it's, they want to think of, you know, this person as being bad and deserving because for them it's very uncomfortable and unsettling to think you know they've grown up their whole lives believing this one mm -hmm. thing this one police and you know they have to reevaluate everything they've thought and it's for some people it makes them very uncomfortable mm -hmm. you know it makes them question things that they've thought and they don't want to think that they're a bad person and i think something that you know, people have been saying a lot, again, through social media is that it's not just about, you know, saying, oh, I'm not racist. You have to be more than that. You have to be anti-racist. You have to exist, uh, understand that racism exists and you have to be fighting against mm -hmm. it. You know, it's not enough to just not be racist yourself. Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I, my applaud goes to, well, I applaud Ben and Jerry for the powerful statement they said in the wake of George Floyd's death. Oh, wow. Um, mm -hmm. I know you reiterated on the tweet that I put it put out, um, mm -hmm. and I want you to kind of speak to that because it was it was very powerful what they wrote, and mm -hmm. it was so meaningful what they wrote. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think they were um, just trying to refresh my memory oh, on no there, <laughs> but yeah <laughs> uh yeah so ben and jerry they just went out and uh had such a amazing message and i think it was really important i think they've always been yes. sort of um for civil rights and uh they um just were uh just looking at it now yeah i think they were just supporting um the movement and saying that they stand with everybody. And I think, uh, um, I think it's important that it's coming from yeah. a, a place where, you know, people are more willing to, to listen to um, voices that are like them. I feel, um, you know, we talk about having allies with, for Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter. And I think it's nice. Um, there are people that aren't, people of color that are white people that are speaking specifically to mm -hmm. white people to you know get involved you need to 
support this and you know take action because you have power. Can you hear me? Okay, something happened. <laughs> okay, yeah. no problem. I'm still here. If you can hear me, okay. Yeah, but what they said in their statement, I'll just reiterate it for you because I know you was putting, yes. you speaking to it. But basically, what they were saying, I'm sorry, somehow we got cut off, audience. We apologize to you for that. But technology can be surprising at times. <laughs> but uh, basically, they said slavery and Jim Crow and segregation were a system of legalized and monetized white supremacy for which generations of black and brown people paid an immeasurable, immeasurable price that cost must be acknowledged and the privilege that accrued to some at the expense of others must be reckoned with and redressed. So um, mm -hmm. that's basically in a nutshell. And they publicly stated that they supported the Black Lives Matter movement. <laughs> And I felt that's very, uh, and I think more corporations need to do it, but take action as well. Because one thing to acknowledge that there are disparity, disparities in our culture, or within, when I mean American culture, but we also need to take actions as far as that goes and stop supporting the companies I'm speaking to right now. Stop supporting people who create laws or enforce mm -hmm. laws that help police officers to get away with police brutality or companies that, mm -hmm. you know, um, support political uh, candidates who encourage these type of behaviors or try to create policies that harm black and brown people in their communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely. I think it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a, a very important part. And like I said before, like, um, and, the economy it's like a, a very powerful motivator money is a very powerful powerful mm -hmm. motivator and i think uh you're right more corporations need to come out and you know say where they where they stand um you know if it's you know with the black community or even if it's exactly. not yes. <laughs> i think people assuming that the silence is you know uh, essentially um saying that you're not in support and it's uncomfortable and i I always, you know, talk about this. It's better to say something um, and, you know, even if it's I don't know mm -hmm. what to say um, and, you know, get educated and ask and listen rather than, you know, just be a silent and afraid. I think um, a lot of the people that are out and marching in the streets are not, um, you know, they're very passionate and yes, they're angry, but I think they're willing to have a conversation with people that are willing to listen. So, you know, that's also something that's really important as well. I agree. And I just want to touch on some things just because I know we're coming to a close as far as our conversation goes. Yeah. But some things that I've read um, that were suggested as far as ways that we can bring a solution to the police brutality um, and I'll read off a couple of them and then you can, if you want to respond to them and of course share your ideas as well. But one of the things that definitely got to mm -hmm. stop, we got to stop using the military, um, well, I'm almost calling it military because that's basically what it is in my mind, using the police as a military <laughs> force um, in urban communities. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the things that, and just stop the over-policing. Over uh, but one of the things that mm -hmm. was brought out, this was something that Sean King shared. I, I kind of took a few of them because I think they are kind of valid, some valid points there. Um, he's, a, he's an activist that, um, you know, that's really, very supportive um, as far as uh, fighting against social issues um, in America and abroad, I believe. Uh, but he's definitely an influential person. 
basically online. He's definitely been pointing out a lot of different things and, you know, kudos to him for what he's been doing as well as all the different people who are part of Black Lives Matter and other organizations that combat these things on a continual basis, not just when something happens, but this is ongoing for them. And this is ongoing for me as well as you. So this is not something that, you know, and I do want to address, you know, and I, I applaud all the people who are now, you know, utilizing these opportunities to, to be an activist and there's nothing wrong with that. I appreciate that. But let don't, let's not only become an activist when something happens, let's continue to let this be an ongoing fight because these things are not just happening because, you know, like, you know, they're happening every blue moon. We get a chance to see it on video, but these things happen all the time. Mm. You don't always get to capture it on video. So let's continue to fight. Uh, despite the fact that whether we see it on social media or not, if you hear about it or if you can support organizations that are fighting against these things, please do, whether it be financially or maybe a retweet or a like or even protesting um, on the streets or doing it online. Either one is good. But let's make this an ongoing process. But mm-hmm. but to touch on um, the some of the things he mentioned, I, I like one of the things he was saying. He said diversify the American Police Department. And and I think that's a good tool because if the police department reflects the neighborhood that they're policing, I think their interactions will be better. Um, if you have a, if you don't have diversity and you have people that's not used to the people they're policing, they're going to react to them a certain way. Mm-hmm. There has to be a bridge. Uh, don't let people see you as an invading force. Let them see you as a you know mm-hmm. that you're there to protect them. But at the same time, you're not going to just throw me on the ground whenever you come in contact with me. You're actually going to have, you know, mm-hmm. you're actually going to do your job, but not do it to a point where you overdo mm-hmm. your job and you over police or abuse people by, you know, excessive use of force when it's not needed uh, to address issues. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think people need to see um, themselves represented um, in the police force. And I think, uh, they need to, um, the police also need to sort of be more diversified. I think people are going to come into a situation, you know, police have a very important job. Like you said, we need police. Um, we're not saying that, you know, we don't need uh, police and policing. Um, what we're talking about is over policing of the black community. Uh, because of this perception of wrongdoing and which, you know, goes back for in history for a long time. But I think um, if you have a diverse police force, they're going to come into a situation and, and see things differently. You know, this excuse that, you know, a lot of white police officers are using uh, that are killing, um, you know, black people is that they were afraid for their life it's always you know they're afraid for their life and it's coming from that you know group Mm. characteristic that you know that these uh you know people these people are not people they're some sort of you know scary overly aggressive Mm. being and so that definitely needs to stop and i think it's great uh, great advice that you know diversity will definitely yeah, help. Yeah, another one is that the bad apples must be fired. Stop this administrative leave and let them stick around and still be a part of the force. They need to be gone. I, I think that if police officers understand that if they kill someone or they show or they use excessive force when it's unnecessary, 
they should not they should lose their mm-hmm. job and also be in a position and be tried like a criminal. I think if you do that, that would discourage those type of behaviors. Um, because there needs to be some type of mm-hmm. you need to be penalized for what you're doing. If you're too many people to mm-hmm. get in the way, they're not gonna learn the ones who they think is okay, okay, well if I do this, I know I got a chance of getting off, you know. Uh there mm-hmm. needs to be more it needs to be a, a I think the law laws need to be in place where they should be penalized for their action. They shouldn't be, well, let me put them on administrative leave. And then on that point, they go ahead and, you know, and then at the, and then they go to court and they get dismissed and nothing happens. The family still suffers. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. The police officers should suffer in the same sense. I mean, whether it be jail time or they, mm-hmm. you know, they get fired from the police, I mean, police force, something needs to happen. Action needs to be in place. Yes. Yeah, I think there's too much of this uh, solidarity and not to say that they should support each other, but I think uh, there needs to be consequences um, if, you know, you are out there killing somebody, especially if there's, you know, video, well, not only if there's video evidence, but I think anytime you kill someone in the line of duty, I'm sure there's like um, processes in place, but I think, like you said, administrative leave is not a punishment. I think there's many jobs in the world where, um, you know, you do a lot less than taking a life, and you exactly. exactly. <laughs> you, you. I, I think the you know, standard uh, needs to definitely exactly. Also I mean, you work at a customer service job. You say something wrong, you you curse you yeah. curse a, curse one of those customers <laughs> out, and you won't be working there no more. You'll get fired. <laughs> yeah, and you might not be able to get a job elsewhere. If they, you know, exactly. they can't say it anymore. It used to be where they can tell you. They call you last job and they can say how what type of employee you was and it prevents you from working elsewhere. Yeah. But now they just fire you and don't say nothing. But at the end of the day, you lose your job. So why are these yeah. guys able to keep theirs and they kill people or they have been abusive towards American citizens? You know, there need to be more mm-hmm. punitive action. And I, and the last one I think I want to say, there are many others that we can talk about because, you know, like having independent review boards and special prosecutors that are independent mm. from the police department or that that can come in and review these cases and give a, a a good synopsis of what happened and take you know action and be more proactive but the last one i want to say is that you know I, I, the conversation i get online when we talk about cops you know the people pop up and say well there are still some good cops i'm not saying that they don't exist because mm. i have a family member who's a police officer so i understand that he's in my opinion he's a good cop okay but at the end of the day mm. If my cousin went and killed somebody, I would admonish him the same way I would do these other cops. Okay. But let, but the good cops, if there are some out there, and I believe there are, they need to be incentivized or they need to be encouraged to say something for the ones who do it. But not only that, even with the George Floyd situation, there was a cop standing there. I guess he was being like a, a, mm-hmm. a barrier for the other cops while they were, you know, harming uh, mm-hmm. George Floyd, but he should they, they should be encouraged to intervene. If they see the cop going out of hand and say, hey, you need to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. I understand you want to control this, but there are better ways that we can do this. Those those cops need to be more vocal mm-hmm. and they need to stand up. Stop, like you said, stop standing with the other mm-hmm. ones to show solidarity. It's one thing to have solidarity, but there's another thing to kill a person. And we have to, and we have to come to the point yes. to recognize that we say that all lives matter, First, let's let's make sure that we understand that Black Lives Matter. <laughs> let's get to the point mm-hmm. of understanding that they matter. Because if they mattered, we wouldn't be talking about George Floyd right now. 
if they mattered, we wouldn't be talking about mm-hmm. Breonna Taylor, who got killed in her home from waking up from a raid. If they mattered, we wouldn't be talking about Aubrey, I mean, Ahmaud Avery. If they mattered, we wouldn't be talking about Tamir mm-hmm. Rice, who got killed for having a toy gun. He was only 12 years old at the time of his death. Mm-hmm. If they mattered, mm-hmm. we would be talking about mm-hmm. a lot of different people that would be too many to name right now. So that's why we talk about it, because if mm-hmm. they mattered, we wouldn't have to have these conversations over and over again. Because Dylan Ruth was the guy who went into a church, killed nine people who were praying. There was no threat at all to him. Mm-hmm. And he left in handcuffs. Mass shootings that are being killed mm-hmm. by people who are predominant, who are white kids going in and killing people at schools. They're leaving in handcuffs. What's the difference with mm-hmm. them? versus the ones that I mentioned earlier, especially the ones who have been killed by police brutality. They didn't have a gun. They didn't mm-hmm. kill anybody. Mm-hmm. If anything, if there were anything mm-hmm. that was suggested because of the reason for George Floyd being, um, for them coming in contact with him in the first place was over a fake $20 bill, ideally, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Is that deserving mm-hmm. of his life being taken? when all of these other people who committed crimes mm-hmm. more heinous than him or any other name that we mentioned, how were they able to leave in handcuffs, mm-hmm. but George Floyd may couldn't come home to see his family that night. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it at that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, I'll just echo again. What you said is just that let's keep this going. Let's keep this, going this momentum going um and you know let's keep fighting and keep saying their names and uh yeah let's let's get this going again thank you so much as always for taking the time yeah i always enjoy every time we come together because we deal with some hard-hitting subject matters and at the same time we educate the people absolutely